0: Learning to be happy with Da Hello again, and welcome back. I know it's been a long time. I first began the podcast in August 2019 and made about 16 episodes between then and January 2020. It was in August 2019 that I first fell ill rather suddenly with a seemingly chronic and very painful condition affecting my stomach. And while it has not healed or been diagnosed, it is much better than it was and I've been feeling a lot better and ready to get back to what I love the most, which is teaching Dharma, meditation, psychology. And so I'm back to offer some new insights that being ill has given me, mainly the same that I've already offered, but illustrating how powerful the methods can be in healing our bodies and minds by taking this on this new perspective of responsibility for our own well being. And I need to start this podcast with a different attitude. In the past, I worked very hard to polish each episode, writing a script, recording and re-recording the same episode a dozen times, deleting it because I said, um, too many times, (laughs) or paused a few too many times. And now for this episode, as a recap, I need to just go through the episodes thus far and catch you up to where we are. So I'm gonna do this in a very casual way, so forgive me uh, for just speaking my mind. In the first episode, what we really want, we talked about the usefulness of asking or making a list of our desires. What do I want? And having made this list, we want to ask ourselves, why? Why do I want these things? Why do I want the car, the house, the job, the relationship? the body, the computer, the phone. Why? And if we're authentic and ask deeply, we will come to realize that what we want is a feeling. We have a belief about how we will feel when we get those things. This may be conscious or unconscious, but we make it conscious by thinking about it. By asking ourselves why I want this, and what feeling do I think that getting this will give me, it becomes more clear to us that what we really want is the feeling and not so much the thing at all. We only want those things because we believe that they'll give us the feeling we want. And we can understand this because other people want different things, but really they want to feel the same way. Everyone is looking to feel loved and secure, confident, and so forth. But everyone may have to have their own ideas as to how they can go about that. And so in these first few episodes, we're looking at how our feelings come from inside us. And that's something that we need to prove to ourselves. Since although it's logical, as you will see, to understand how we feel as a function of our mind and body, we still have this belief that circumstances cause us to feel the way we do. And it takes mindfulness, that is an awareness of our thoughts and feelings from moment to moment, to really see in action just how much our thoughts and beliefs really do shape our reactions, how they do shape our life, our feelings. So in the second episode, how is the magic question? I talked about how using how helps us deconstruct this assumption we have lived with, that people and things are responsible for how we feel. So that magic question how is asking literally that. How does this make me feel that way? When someone compliments you and you feel good, how did they make you feel that way? If someone criticizes you and you feel bad, how did they make you feel that way. When you're sitting on the couch by yourself thinking of your life, maybe something that happened yesterday or something that may happen tomorrow, how are those events remembered or imagined making you feel the way that you do? It is through your thoughts. If you're upset about something that someone said to you and you feel in that moment like they have hurt you, that they are hurting you because you're sitting here alone on the couch feeling hurt. You need to look around and think, the cause of my feelings has to be present, but they are not here and that is not happening right now. So what is present? My thoughts and my memories. Therefore, my thoughts and memories are the real cause of my feeling the way I do right now. So asking the question how How does this make me feel that way? And taking time to reflect on how we experience so many emotions just sitting alone when the thing's really happening. And a few hours sitting on the couch by yourself, if you were to not watch TV or look at your phone, it's likely you would feel many different things. And what is the cause of them? If you know in your mind that tomorrow you're going to the same job, your friends are still out there, your relationships are the same, they're going to be there later, then what has changed to make you feel all these different things? It is nothing other than your thoughts. And this is what we want to hold responsible for our emotional well-being. In episode three, what really makes us happy I offer the definition of a true cause of happiness. A true cause of happiness will only make us happy, never make us unhappy, and it will make us happier the more we have of it. And so I compared this to many of our ordinary wishes for good food, nice possessions, lots of money, lots of sex. And we looked at whether those things meet Do not meet this definition. And we talked about how eating, although enjoyable, doesn't really lead to happiness because the more you eat, the more ill you begin to feel. (laughs) It doesn't meet that definition of more is better. And it can even make you feel bad. So it doesn't really meet that definition of something that is purely good, that purely leads to our well being. And the same can be said for the others. The more possessions that we have, the more anxious we may become about losing them, the more time and energy we have to put into maintaining them, protecting them. There's responsibilities that come with money and possessions, responsibilities we may not take that much joy in. Similarly with relationships, although it's tempting to believe that these are a true source of happiness, how often do our relationships also cause us pain frustration, disappointment, and anxiety. And there's hardly anyone in our lives that we could think we would want to spend every second with. It's not something that gets better the more we have of it. In fact, food, money, sex, possessions, relationships are best in moderation. Too little or too much leads to unhappiness. And so they themselves cannot meet this definition of a true cause of happiness. So then, of course, that's a bit disappointing to know. We've devoted a lot of mental energy to thinking how we can control our life and get the things we want. The car, the relationship, the house, the job. And now maybe we are seeing that this is a blind pursuit since asking the question how has already proven that those things in themselves cannot make us feel happy then what is the point? And this is not a bad thing, though it may be unsettling, but it's just a shift in priority. We still want the same things to feel loved and secure. And now we're able through this questioning, through this reflection, to think that there's a better way. And so what is that better way? What will really make us happy? I had offered these four things. Appreciation, gratitude, love, and compassion. And I'm sure there are many more. But you may notice that these are not things you possess, and they are not events or experiences that happen to you. Appreciation and gratitude, love, and compassion are perspectives. They are a kind of attitude and a way of relating to yourself and your environment. It's like a mental filter that you can put on that changes how you feel, respond, and react to everything that you experience. Everything you see, hear, touch, taste, smell, remember, and imagine. And these have the power to only make us happy, never make us feel bad, and make us happier the more we have of them. There's no such thing as moderation in appreciation and gratitude and love and compassion, more is better. We also looked at present moment happiness and talked about the habit of wanting. And this involves some knowledge of the brain and of the nervous system to support our theory. So when you learn to ride a bike or dance, you know that your body is clumsy, uncoordinated, but that through repetition, the movements become smooth and easy. But how often do we stop to think that the same may be true of our thoughts and our feelings? If that is the case, then we can understand by constantly thinking of the things that we want and experiencing that feeling of craving, we're actually cultivating a habit of wanting. The more we want, the more we want. The more we crave, the more we crave. And ironically, what we're really looking for is the sense of having, not the sense of wanting. What we really want is that feeling of satisfaction, of contentment, where we're constantly thinking about things we want, and not about the things we have. If we want to feel content tomorrow, we must feel content today. As I often say, tomorrow's contentment depends on today's contentment. And that is why we need to cultivate a sense of having, a sense of fulfillment, a sense of contentment in our day-to-day lives. And one strategy I offered is that whenever you feel craving, a craving for a coffee, a drink, craving to go see a movie, to go see someone, just pause and think for a moment on all the things you have. Go into a state of abundance, and not a state of scarcity. For everything you think and feel becomes a habit, without exception. Yes, that's right. It means the more negative thoughts and feelings you have, the more likely you are to continue having negative thoughts and negative feelings. But the same is true of the opposite. And the more positive thoughts and positive feelings you have, the more likely you'll continue having positive thoughts and positive feelings. So this is good news. But how can we go about this transformation? Well, we need mindfulness. You cannot change something you do not know is happening. You cannot break a habit if you do not catch yourself in the act of it. And mindfulness is awareness. And what we really need is more awareness of what we're thinking, feeling, and doing in the moment we are thinking, feeling, and doing it. So of course, there is no experience without awareness. There's always some awareness. But what we're talking about here is a conscious awareness, the sense that I am aware of thoughts and feelings. This necessarily means that we feel some small or great sense of separation from whatever we're observing. To be aware of thoughts is in essence to realize that they are like sounds. The thoughts are spontaneous, and you are listening to them. And what we really need to do is observe something very simple. When I have this thought, I feel this way. When I have this other thought, I feel this other way. And that is the essence of our spiritual practice. It's understanding how our thoughts and beliefs make us feel. In order to transform them, to transform our thoughts and beliefs, we need to be aware of them. So how can we cultivate mindfulness? How can we cultivate awareness? Well, I talked about the mindfulness of daily life and how we can cultivate this by bringing attention to our physical senses. We're naturally inclined to pay attention to things that fascinate us, and we're fascinated by our thoughts. Why are we fascinated by our thoughts? Because we believe our feelings depend on circumstances and events. So we spend a lot of time thinking about bad things that happened and how we can prevent them from happening again. We think about the things we want and how we can obtain them. So much of our thinking depends on this belief that how we feel depends on circumstances. I mean, if that were the truth, it makes sense to think a lot. It makes sense to plan a lot. How do I avoid the things that apparently make me feel bad? And how do I obtain and keep the things that seem to make me happy? And so we obsess. (laughs) But the more confidence we have that positive feelings come through perspective, a perspective we can have in the moment that can change in an instant, And the more understanding, too, that we have our negative feelings are also the results of a perspective. We see there's less need to think of the past and the future. And more of a need to be aware of what is happening right now. And to be curious about that. So the mindfulness of daily life is about training ourselves to be interested in the present moment. To be here now. And one way to do that is to purposefully draw attention to your physical senses, which we often neglect, and to become embodied. So when we choose, for example, a few activities to do each day, like walking up the stairs, when we're in the shower, or when we're eating breakfast, we maybe decide beforehand that while doing these things, we're not going to think about anything. We're going to remind ourselves that there's nothing that we need to do there's nothing that we need to figure out, understand, make sense of, plan for, that we're devoting this time to just be here in our bodies, in the present, and we're going to take joy as best we can in all the things that we're aware of. So for example, in the shower, just hearing the water, feeling the water, smelling the soap, the feeling of our hands on our own bodies. And every time our minds wander to some plan, to some memory, to some imagination. And as soon as we notice, we think, I can think of that later, that's okay, it's no problem. But right now I want to enjoy this, so I'm just going to come back to the senses and be with myself in this moment. And you do this in a very gentle way. You're not trying to control yourself. You're not berating yourself. You're not getting angry for having thoughts and daydreams. You're just noticing them and saying, that's okay. It's okay to have daydreams, but it's not really what I want right now. Right now, I want to be with myself in this moment. I can come back to those thoughts later if they're important. This is; These are sort of like mini meditations we do throughout the day. And when we do these mini meditations, we become more aware of the thoughts we were having at the start, during the middle, and the end of these activities, we become more consciously aware of our train of thought and how those thoughts were making us feel just before we engage in these activities. We become more aware of the thoughts arising during these activities and how they make us feel. This is how these moments of mindfulness and meditation help improve our awareness of thoughts and feelings. I also talked about the power of journaling for self-awareness. And understandably, our mindfulness takes time to develop. And throughout any given day, we may have negative reactions to some noise, to something someone said, to even our own thoughts, memories, and imagination. And we may not give it a lot of thought at the time as to why we reacted in that way. As I said, we are thoroughly convinced since... Early childhood, I'm sure, that our feelings are caused by circumstance. And so there's not a lot of room there for us to catch it in the moment, what is going on in our mind. So it was my recommendation that at the end of each day or every few days, at least once a week, you reflect on events of the day or week, searching for those moments that you had a negative reaction so that you can look at more carefully. And there are many powerful questions we can use in this contemplation. It's a kind of meditation on our negative feelings. But in journaling, it's focused on an intellectual understanding to first make sense of what is going on. And having done that will help us meditate later on the feelings themselves. But some questions that we can ask ourselves are, what did I want that I didn't get? So whenever we feel bad, it almost always comes down to this. I wanted something that I didn't get. So the first step to any negative reaction, to analyzing it, is to ask yourself that. What did I want that I didn't get? Maybe you wanted the person to like you, and you feel like they don't, and that's why you're upset. Why do I want them to like me? So then you return to that first question, what is, why, why do I want that? And there's a lot to be learned in this way. It's hard to speak of in general because each of us is individual. You'll need to go through the process yourself and I'll speak to it uh, more as we go on. And then I broke down the different styles of meditation in several different episodes. And those I intend to redo, so I will offer you those shortly. I will go into more depth on the four categories of meditation and how and when we can employ them. And that catches us up to the end of episode seven on journaling. And I hope this has been a helpful recap for you. It's certainly been a good recap for me. And don't forget to check out the Learning To Be Happy Facebook group, where you can follow lots of positive quotes and keep in touch with the podcast. And don't forget to visit my website, www.theheartchakra.ca, where you can access counseling services, affordable counseling services in person or over Zoom, and check out some articles I've written, in addition to checking out some spiritual services doing energy work and chakra readings. Hope you listen again soon. Bye!